Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the PQI podcast. This week, we sit down with Dr. John Ingolia to discuss his personal story and the Colne Health Clinical Oncology Pharmacy Program. Dr. Ingolia is the Clinical Pharmacy Coordinator for the Oncology Service Line at Colne Health. He received his Clinical Pharmacist Practitioner License in April 2022 and currently runs the Breast Oncology Pharmacy Clinic in collaboration with the medical oncologist he supports. All right. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining us today on the PQI podcast. To start out, will you please introduce yourself and tell our audience about your current role? Yeah, thanks for having me. So my name is John Angolia. Um, I am a clinical pharmacy coordinator at Cone Health um, in the oncology service line. Uh, Cone Health has uh, seven cancer centers um, around the Greensboro, North Carolina area, uh, spanning from uh, Burlington, Reedsville, Asheboro, High Point, Mebbin, and then two centers in Greensboro. Okay, wow, B- a big operation. Yeah. I know that we've talked before and your path into pharmacy has been a little non-traditional. So I'd love to start out by hearing more about your personal path and journey to where you are today. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, so um, there's, you know, there's two, I'm not a poet by any stretch, but there's two um, poets that came uh, to mind um, as I was growing up. Uh, One of them was The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Um, and then um, the other one was a, a quote from um, a gentleman uh, named George Eliot that is, uh, it's never too late to be what you might have been. Um, and, you know, I heard these, um, I, I forget where I heard Robert Frost, but I, I think I was in high school when I first heard it. And um, I just, it just always resonated with me. I wasn't really sure why. Um, and then the other, the quote um, actually came from one of my managers when I was um, at Caremark. Um, before they became um, CVS. And so my, my background, um, I grew up in Elmhurst, uh, Illinois, which is outside of Chicago, um, kind of knew from an early stage that I wanted to do something uh, within a hospital setting. My mom had had gallbladder surgery when I was young. And I knew um, at that point, I just really enjoyed being in the hospital. And my parents thought I was a little crazy because they were like, well, we're trying to get out of here. Why do you want to why do you want to hang out and kind of, you know, tour around the hospital? Um, and then, you know, I, I went through school, um, actually, uh, you know, graduated from York High School. Um, and then um, my mom and my dad uh, both passed away uh, from cancer. Uh, my mom uh, passed away right after I had turned 21, which devastated me because I was always a mama's boy. Um, She died from breast cancer. And then my uh, dad died uh, two years later, um, right after I had graduated from undergrad from uh, Elmhurst College, which is now Elmhurst University. And so at the time, um, I was taking prerequisites when my dad died. um, And I was, you know, thinking of, um, you know, going into pharmacy school, I had kind of looked at maybe uh, doing PT school as well. Um, but when he passed away, I, I basically um, had to make a tough decision whether to stay and try to do my prerequisites or try to keep my house, which wasn't paid out. It wasn't paid for. Um, my parents had taken out a second mortgage. And so at 23, I made the tough decision to stop taking my prerequisites and um, get a full-time job. I had just graduated with a psychology degree. 
and um, I got a full-time job as a social service director with a long-term care facility and I uh, worked with them for a couple of years. Um, my friend helped me um, with the mortgage at my house um, and I was there for um, two years. Um, and while I was a social worker, I loved, I loved the field, um, but I just wasn't able to really kind of keep up with my mortgage payments and I was falling a little bit behind on bills. And my sister um, had been in hospital sales her whole career, um, hospital linen sales, and was very successful. And she had asked me, you know, well, why don't you, why don't you try to do sales? And I said, Debbie, you know, who's going to hire me? I have no sales experience. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really know anything about sales. And so anyway, I listened to her advice. She's been instrumental um, just um, as a mentor for me growing up. Um, and so I started looking for, for jobs and uh, Caremark, which was based out of Northbrook, Illinois, um, was, had a, uh, a job position for a national business markets account manager. And so I interviewed with them and uh, I was blessed enough that they hired me um, with no sales experience and really learned um, sales and account management and how to deal with people uh, through them. I, and as I was working with them, um, I worked with a pharmacist um, in the managed care setting, um, she would go out with me and talk about formulary drugs. And um, we, Caremark was all, you know, based on trying to lower prescription costs for their customers. So that was one of my main responsibilities. And then as I was, um, as a social worker, you know, my, my first role, I worked with a geriatric pharmacist. So I started really, it was kind of weird how God was kind of just weaving in these different roles. Um, and these different um, things that pharmacists do. And so I worked for Caremark um, for about five years, first in account management and then in um, biotech insights. Um, I always knew that I, you know, I wanted to go back to pharmacy school. Here and there, I would look to see, you know, what would the prerequisites look like? And it seemed like every time I looked at it, there was another prerequisite that was coming on or, you know, instead of needing um, one semester of physics, now I needed two. And I just was always very discouraged that, you know, I was never going to be able to do this. Um, but so I, I worked with them for um, a while and then my, I met my wife and we got married and um, I knew from her being from North Carolina that at some point she might want to move back to North Carolina. And so we made the decision um, after we were married that we would move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And because I remember vividly my wife sitting at the table with me one day and she's like, you know, you've been talking about going back to pharmacy school since I've met you. And if you're going to go back, this is, this is probably the last time that you're going to be able to go back. And so I started looking um, and randomly found this uh, spreadsheet online that showed every pharmacy school in the country, um, all their prerequisites, um, what they, what they needed. And so I made kind of a list of, Okay, well, these are the these are the pharmacy schools that I can potentially uh, try to get into at first, and so I started taking the prerequisites that I didn't have yet, um, like chemistry, organic chemistry, calculus, physics, and um, at that time also started working um, part time as a pharmacy technician at CVS. Started volunteering um, in Charlotte at a at a local hospital, just trying to understand the hospital setting, and. While I was doing that, um, I didn't know what oncology pharmacy even was at that point. And I just looked to see, I think my search was oncology pharmacy. 
And I'll never forget, something popped up and it said, the day in the life of an oncology pharmacist. And I started reading through that and it was just like a light bulb went off for me. Um, just knowing that this was kind of like what, you know, what I was supposed to do. And I started looking at residency programs and started getting this thought in my head, well, this, this might actually be able to happen. Um, and the last one that I got into was LECOM, which was their Bradenton campus. And my wife said, you know, please, we're living in North Carolina right now. I've suffered through Chicago winters for, you know, since I've known you. We're in Charlotte right now. I don't want to move back up north. So uh, we didn't know anybody in Florida. Um, yeah, so we didn't know anyone in Florida. And um, we decided to move down there. And I went to pharmacy school. I did really well at LECOM, loved the campus there. Um, and I met um, a, a resident at the time that was at Moffitt Cancer Center, and I had heard of Moffitt, knew that they had a residency program there. And so um, I was thinking about, well, if, you know, if I do go to residency, which is what I'm planning on doing, this would be a great place, but I don't know if, you know, they would even look at me as a candidate. And Rebecca Nelson um, was a PGY2 resident there. She came to speak at LECOM. And I was just blown away by her um, her talk, and I talked with her after the the uh, her talk, and just kind of asked her kind of you know what to do to kind of set myself apart. Um, and she was just gracious enough to you know give me the time to ask my questions. You know, as soon as I walked in the Moffitt Cancer Center, I said this this is where I want to be. If, if they'll have me to be a resident, this is where I want to be because. Everyone there, everyone was beating to the same drum. Like, you know, we want to take care of the cancer patients. Even, you know, even if it was a janitor or somebody taking out the trash or whatever it was, everyone just had this one mindset um, and it was uh, a calling to work there. And um, um, I, you know, did my PGY1 there. Um, I stayed on to do my PGY2 there. And then after um, my residency was uh, finished, I went to work at a company um, doing inpatient pharmacy, another health system in North Carolina um, in Winston-Salem. And at that point, um, this was October of 20, um, or around August of 2018. That two months later in October of 2018, my wife was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And so when that happened, um, I I didn't know really what to do. And so um, I, I stopped working at Novant, um, which is where the company where I was for about two months. Um, my wife started getting uh, treated at another uh, cancer center um, at Wake Forest. And the way that she ended up going there was um, just by chance, again, by God's grace, there was um, a girl that had started with me at Novant, who had done her residency at Wake Forest. And I had asked her, you know, if you were, were me, or if you were in this situation, who would you go see at Wake Forest? And she gave me um, the medical oncologist that she would recommend. And so I called there for a second opinion. My wife got in there right away. And um, they added on an additional uh, treatment for her that I was um, pushing that I that I thought you know she needed and then she was also able to get on a clinical trial there um, and you know thank God you know today she's she's doing really well um, yes. and again this was back in October of 2018 um, that January 
um, of 2019, um, a job opened up at Wake Forest and they were um, kind enough to um, allow me to, you know, work there. If I would have gone to pharmacy school when I wanted to initially right out of college, um, I probably would have never met my wife. I would have never been where I was when I met her. And I wouldn't have known some of the things that I knew about breast cancer. And ironically, that was my last rotation at Moffitt Cancer Center. Um, and so I was able to help a little bit with her treatment. Um, if I wouldn't have worked where I worked initially, I would have never met um, the girl that helped me get in, my, get my wife into Wake Forest. Um, so it's just amazing to see, um, you know, as, if you couldn't tell already, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and just, I, I, don't, I don't believe in coincidences and just seeing his divine hand in all of this has just um, really, really made me humble and uh, appreciative of, you know, of each day. And so uh, that's, that's kind of my story. Sorry I, for if it's long-winded. No, it's it's great. I think it's wonderful, and I am with you. I don't I don't believe there are coincidences either, and I think it's just so interesting. You know, sometimes we think things that are not really relevant or maybe a waste of our time end up setting us up for things that are better down the road and pre preparing us for the future when we don't really even realize it. And I'm so sorry yeah. about your parents as well. I know. Some, something you never get over. So I, I am sorry. And I just, I love it that you started at Moffitt um, on the same day that your mom passed away. I think that that's a pretty amazing non-coincidence as well. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is the day that we, the day that I graduated from residency. So my first rotation was June 29th the, when I was a P4. The day that I graduated residency was June 29th, 2018. Aww. from the cancer side. Aww, so it's just very, you know, very um, humbling to, to see how, how, how that all transpired. Yes, yes. And, and Moffitt is a fantastic place. I know we've talked about, I was treated there and I just think the world of them. So yeah, now yeah they, on, they're one of a kind. For sure. Um, on to your current role at Cone. I know you've helped develop the clinical oncology pharmacy program and done some collaborative practice. Will you tell us a little bit more about the development of that program and the process you've gone through to, to build it and kind of get it, get it off? The yeah. Ground? Yes. Yeah. So um, when I was at um, Wake Forest, you know, I, I really wasn't planning on leaving there. I really enjoyed my time there. loved who I worked with. Um, but there was a position that opened up, um, and when I met with Andre Harvin, who is my manager at Cone Health, he just had this vision of um, building the clinical pharmacy program in oncology at Cone Health, um, and so it was just a really great opportunity. Um, I met with, um, you know, some of the medical oncologists there and um, one of the APPs, and um, so I started working there in January of this year. And the, the clinical pharmacy oncology program is kind of still in its infancy. Um, we do have great pharmacists that work with us. Um, some of them are BCOP trained. Um, some of them are not, but they have a wealth of experience in oncology. But there's really no embedded clinical pharmacist yet, or you know, there wasn't um, until I came on board. And so um, I you know, work primarily with the breast cancer uh, team. 
Um, but the goal has always been to create um, a CPP or clinical pharmacist practitioner clinics um, within the Cone Health system. And so that's kind of what I um, started um, after talking to my uh, medical oncologist. They had this vision of me having um, like a stage four clinic um, where I would be um, kind of working with them collaboratively where they would see a stage four patient and then I could potentially see them. I could also see patients that are on oral chemotherapy, IV chemotherapy. Um, if they need patient education, I could do um, all of those things. And so um, for the audience, if they, you know, if they don't know what a clinical pharmacy practitioner is, there's a handful of states that allow clinical pharmacists to practice at this next level where um, with a collaborative practice agreement, you can um, sign prescriptions, you can um, sign chemotherapy, um, you really have a, you know, you're very instrumental in their care. And so um, that's something that I did um, through the North Carolina Board of Pharmacy, um, filled out their paperwork um, and just kind of told them exactly like, you know, these are the drugs that I'm going to be responsible for. These are the providers that are going to be in my collaborative practice agreement. Um, since that, um, since that was approved in April, I have um, since sent them a revised edition because three more uh, medical oncologists that see breast cancer, um, I'm going to be hopefully collaborating with them as well. And so the goal of our clinic is kind of like I was saying before, is to really um, help the providers um, send some of those patients to me that might be having supportive care issues or, um, you know, if the provider was seeing them, say, like every a month that now I can see them in that off month and the provider can see them every two months or the physician can see them every two months, I can see them um, in between. And so that's kind of what we've started doing. Um, during that time, I also had to go through the Cone Health credentialing process and that's, you know, kind of going through a background check and um, they, they contact the places that I've worked and you send references to them. And so that, that all kind of started um, in, on August 1st, where I saw my first patient. And slowly but surely, um, we've been growing the clinic. And um, I've been kind of uh, looking at patients that potentially could be put into my clinic, um, sending that to my medical oncologist. Um, they're then kind of putting in their follow-up notes, you know, see John in pharmacy clinic on this date. And then once they see me, then I then, um, you know, look over their whole uh, medication profile, kind of what they're on, um, look over any drug-to-drug -drug interactions, talk to the patient about how they're feeling, um, recommend supportive care meds, um, sign chemotherapy if I need to, um, add different treatment plans. Um, and it's been, it's been really good. Um, it's, you know, it started in August, like I said, and it's, it's slowly uh, building. Um, and now that I'm taking on three more providers, um, I'm excited about kind of what the future holds with this clinic. Um, and then the goal ultimately then is to then um, use this model, um, which we're hopeful that it'll be successful, which will ultimately allow our medical oncologists to then see new patients because they're allowing me to see some of their existing patients. Um, and then we're going to expand that CPP model or the clinical pharmacist practitioner model into other disease states, such as, you know, lymphoma, thoracic, GI, head and neck, um, things of that nature. So that, that's kind of the goal. Um, and then 
you know, I talked initially that we have seven cancer centers spread around the Greensboro area. And so those cancer centers um, may not be as specialized, but they see maybe a little bit more uh, general um, malignancies, those providers in those locations. And so um, we've talked about potentially putting CPPs in those areas um, that will help the providers like I'm doing right now um, with, with that same collaborative practice agreement. And they might do, their roles might be a little bit different than what we'll be doing at Wesley Long, which is where the main cancer center is, but they'll still be kind of, you know, working with those physicians in a collaborative practice agreement and, you know, ultimately keeping the patient safe and, um, you know, helping them as, as much as possible and us practicing at, at the highest level of our license. It's wonderful. I think you are setting up a great program for patients that will really benefit them. And North, North Carolina, I know it helps, has a, a very, um, I guess you'd say lib liberal view with pharmacists and they, they allow you guys to do a lot more than some other states. So I, I hope all of the other states will eventually catch up as well. I think, I think some of them are, yes. are on their way. So. Yes, me too. And it's, I think it's just, um, you know, showing kind of the, the, the rest of the states or the rest of the, you know, the world, um, just kind of what pharmacists can do. And I, yeah. and I think it's just continuing to, you know, be there and answer questions and, and help out where we can and just, um, you know, continue to try to um, push the, the profession forward. I think we've done a great job so far, and I, I, I think there's a long way to go, but I'm, I'm excited for the future. Yes, a, a huge value add to the team for sure. And so in setting up the program, what are some of the barriers that you faced or maybe currently facing and your strategies for overcoming them? And then I'll add to that. My next question is any advice you have for others trying to set up a program? Yes. Yeah. So really, you know, everyone's been super helpful um, from the North Carolina Board of Pharmacy. I mean, they've been very, um, you know, they tell you exactly what you need to do. And it, so it's just, you know, reading through the instructions, making sure that, you know, you're, you're um, doing everything that they tell you to do. If they have follow-up questions, just being very punctual and, and, and following up as quickly as possible. Um, you know, always have a positive attitude. Um, you know, they're, they're not doing, um, they're not asking these follow-up questions to be difficult, um, whether that's Cone Health or the North Carolina Board of Pharmacy or really en any entity for that matter. They're just doing that because they, you know, they want to keep the patient safe. They want to make sure that they're understanding what your role is exactly going to be. And so just having a real positive attitude, reading the instructions, um, asking the right questions, um, you know, making sure that you're listening um, when, when those answers are provided so that you know kind of the follow-up things that you need to do. Um, and the same thing, you know, with Cone Health, um, you know, they had a lot of follow-up questions. There were some numbers um, that, you know, that I had for, for uh, the, you know, my residency program. And although it was like the human resources department, it wasn't, it, you know, there had to be a, there was a different number that they needed. And so just, um, you know, working with those individuals at Cone Health um, that were super helpful and just getting all that information to them um, was, was, was huge. And then, you know, barriers that I'm really facing right now um, is, I wouldn't say they're barriers. It's just, um, you know, finding those patients that um, we think will benefit in our clinic. Um, there's, there's a lot of them. And so just kind of looking through those, 
patients, um, communicating with my medical oncologists who are, are great and they are super supportive of this, this vision. Um, they actually had the idea of doing this uh, stage four clinic. And so I thought it was brilliant that, that this is something that you know, they foresaw happening. And so I'm just finding those, those patients, you know, doing the ins and outs of like the operation. So making sure scheduling knows when we send a, um, a follow-up, uh, this is the follow-up that they kind of knew this is how it needs to be. Um, and, you know, if they're sending something to John, then this is the type of visit it needs to be. And then operationally, like having our assistants, making sure that they're taking vitals. Um, the patients actually see me in my office, which allows the um, physicians to, it frees up their exam rooms. Instead of me seeing them in the exam rooms, I actually see them in my office. So that allows their, their clinic to keep flowing. They don't have to okay. stop yeah. and wait for me to come out of an exam room. So all the, all the logistics that came um, with that. And then, you know, we had um, some things with billing, just making sure that, you know, we were billing correctly and we were using the right codes. And, you know, I, I sent my, my note templates to different entities to make sure that, you know, those looked okay. Um, I worked with a lot of other CPPs at Cone Health that were um, very helpful with kind of telling me this is, this is what I did when I became a CPP at Cone Health. So they gave me a lot of advice. Um, so it's, you know, it is a process, but, you know, if you ask the right questions and you have a good attitude, um, you know, you, you can find the answers and then just following through on that process. Um, and, it, and it's been, it, you know, it's, it's been really helpful having those, those people around in my life. Yes, thank you. I think that does sound like quite the process, but I feel like you're you're the wealth of knowledge if anyone has questions or or needs needs help in going forward. Yes, I hope so. And and that's you know, that's the goal is as we, you know, as we add more CPPs um within Cone Health, um, you know, helping them kind of go through and and giving them some advice on kind of some of the things that I saw and um, trying, yeah, trying to be that, that knowledge, uh, for them. And then, so in all of this, what would you say is your favorite part of your job? Yeah, so that's, you know, that's easy. And I'm sure a lot of other pharmacists will, will agree with me. It's, it's, it's really the patients, um, in, in the oncology setting. Um, I mean, I've just met so many great people, um, that, you know, unfortunately some are no longer with us. Um, but, just the, the talks that I had with them and uh, seeing the really, you know, the good stories that come out of it and people surviving and seeing all the new um, treatments that are coming on board um, in oncology is just very rewarding. Um, but it, it's really the patients. I mean, they, they are the ones that really make me want to come to work every day. And um, seeing kind of, you know, what my, what my mom went through and how she suffered and being able to help, it, it, even if it's a little bit, um, trying to limit some of those side effects and, um, you know, be there for them and just kind of letting them know like, hey, you're not in this journey alone. Um, you have a whole team here uh, at Cone Health trying to help you get through it um, and just, you know, giving them hope. Um, and they're, they're just, you know, they, they mean more to me than, than they'll probably ever know. The patients are, are just amazing people. Um, and then, you know, all the people, I've been very blessed to work with a lot of great medical oncologists from residency programs, um, even, even my preceptors, my P4 year, um, they were just always very, um, 
very positive, uh, always gave me really great advice. All the medical oncologists that I've worked with have always been very pharmacy friendly and, and know the value that we bring. And so that would probably be a very close second. Um, the people that I, I get to work with from pharmacists, my managers, um, you know, my medical oncologists, all the supporting staff um, there, it's just really uh, humbling and, and blessed to come, come to work every day. It's wonderful. It's, it's always a benefit when you work with people that you enjoy working with. I have a couple of final questions for you, but is there anything else you would like to add that you think is important for our listeners to know? I would just say, you know, I um, don't give up hope. Um, don't, you know, if I, I always wanted to go back to pharmacy school, I didn't really know how it was going to happen. And there were some times where, you know, I, I really thought that it's, it's not going to happen. Like I said, I, you know, I would look at the different programs and just see more prerequisites. And I'm like, there's no way this is ever going to pan out, but I never gave up hope. And um, we went through a lot of roadblocks um, while I was in doing my prerequisites when I was in residency, um, you know, during that six years between pharmacy school and residency, I didn't say this, but we had three little girls. Um, so I have a nine, a six and a four-year-old. Um, so that, that definitely threw yeah. some, uh, <laughs> some difficulties in the situation and thank God for my wife, uh, just, you know, being able to help out while I wasn't home a lot uh, during residency. Um, but, you know, just persevere, um, and, and don't give up hope and, uh, you know, and good things will, will happen. I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. I love it. It's a, a great message to share. And then we call this the PQI podcast to bring awareness to ENCODA's positive quality intervention resource. What value do you see in this resource? I think it's just great because, you know, you have, you have knowledge and, um, you know, if, looking at just all the different PQIs um, that have been done um, with ENCODA. Um, and it's just having knowledge and having resources. And ultimately, you know, the, the, more, the more quality um, clinical interventions that can happen or um, references that can be done by professionals that know, um, that know cancer, that know um, about oral chemotherapy and, and are able to share their knowledge. Um, and then you can have other folks like myself, you know, look through that information. Um, ultimately, that's keeping the patient safe. And that's ultimately, you know, why I'm, I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I just, I, I know at the end of the day, if I'm involved, hopefully, um, I'm, there's another layer there that's looking at the patient, maybe through a different lens, and um, that's ultimately helping keep it, keep the patient safe and you know optimizing their care. And um, I think PQI allows um, us to do that. Perfect, thank you. And then as our final fun question, if you could sit down to dinner with anyone living or in history, so anyone ever, um, who would it be and why? And then also what would be on your menu? Wow, that's a good one. Um, I, you know, I think, I think who living, I would probably say, I'd probably say Michael Jordan. Um, just oh. he, he was, you know, um, just because he, you know, he was part of the Chicago Bulls um, as I was growing up, and 
um, just brought, you know, six championships to, to Chicago. And uh, I, you know, I've always um, thought very highly of him and uh, he actually lived in, he still lives in Charlotte, but uh, say, you, he lives fairly close. He has a North Carolina background too, right? Yes. Yes. He lives fairly close to me. And um, I, you know, I just, I've always been inspired by his grit and his, um, his determination and just his, just him being so clutch in so many different um, situations on the basketball court. And uh, I, I just think he is just, um, you know, an amazing competitor. And uh, again, you know, persevered, um, you know, in high school, he, you know, he didn't really get on the team right away, but then flourished at North Carolina and then obviously was legendary um, with, with the Bulls. Um, and then I think, you know, obviously if, if they had passed away, um, I, I, I would have, you know, loved to have sat down with, uh, with Jesus and just um, heard his stories. I mean, luckily, you know, we have the Bible and, and these different sources to, to um, kind of understand how he lived in his biographical um, teaching, but uh, to be able to sit down with him uh, would have been great. Um, as far as the menu, I, I think I'll just be selfish. I, I'm a, I'm a big steak and seafood person. Uh, so um, I, you know, I love surf and turf um, from a really good steakhouse. I was blessed in Chicago to have many options there. And so I was yes. blessed enough to be able to go to some really good steakhouses there, but I, I love surf and turf. Um, but, you know, obviously if I'm sitting down to dinner with these two uh, legendary people in my eye, um, I would ask them, you know, kind of what they would want to eat and I would be more than willing to try stuff. So um, I think that's kind of who those two people kind of stick wow. out. Good. I feel like both of them would, would be on board for surf and turf though. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. It's such a, it's such a great compliment to each other, those two dishes. So they are, they are. And I think my son would join you at the Michael Jordan dinner too. So he, he's in fifth grade <laughs> and I took him school shopping for the first time this year. Like I usually just get everything, but I thought it would be fun. And he got, and I made him split it because I was like, I'm not buying this, <laughs> but uh, a Michael Jordan, North Carolina Jersey, like from, from, oh, from very back nice. when that was one of his picks. So I think he would also show up at your dinner in his Jersey. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You have a great story and you are also doing wonderful things for patients there. So I appreciate you giving Encoda your time today. Oh, absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Just, I, I appreciate the time and, uh, you know, anything I can do to, to help pharmacy move forward. Um, I'm happy to do it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the PQI podcast. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Encoda.org. That's N-C-O-D-A.org. You can also find us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. We hope you tune in next week for another edition of the PQI podcast. Thanks, everybody.